Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. All right. We can't forget the star of the show. This is held up. Well, I said to someone in the office this week, like, that would not be a good look if we kill the pot plant. You think of that? Yeah, it's been, it's been three weeks and it's stayed alive. So I think that's... Um, let's give the plant a round of applause. That's beautiful. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, here are two books. Here are two books. We've got the uh, yellow pages and we've got the Bible. The yellow pages and the Bible. By the way, if you're uh, under the age of 30, the yellow pages is what we had before you said, Siri, call mum, right? That's my kids don't understand what this is, but this, this is what we had, right? Back in the 80s, that was, uh, we had the yellow pages. You had to look it up. Both are tr- truth books, Both are truth books. And the question this morning is, which one of these two will change you? And it's a trick question. It's a trick question because you could be inclined to say, oh, it's the Bible. But we well know it depends on how you use the Bible, whether or not it will change you. You see, you and I know, haven't you noticed this? That Haven't you seen this? That there are people that call themselves Christians. There are people that read the Bible and they are just as angry. They're just as selfish. They're just as fearful. They're just as self-centered. They're just as worried. They're just as spiteful. They're just as resentful. I could go on, right, as everyone else. And the reason is, there is a big difference between information and transformation and it's possible that you know your bible back to front in fact hey there are harvard professors that know this bible better than you and i and yet they would not call themselves christian information doesn't equal transformation and that's what we want to talk about today right we don't come into this place and we don't read this book unless we want to be changed right when we read this book we want we want to know uh, what what is it that I need to read or do in order to cope? Isn't that the question for, for our day? What is it that I have to do? How do I know that I'm going to be able to cope? How do I know that I'm going to be able to manage? How do I know that I'm going to be able to endure through the circumstances that I'm facing this week? And this, by the way, has all of the resources available to you in it to help you endure and to prosper and to be successful from a godly point of view, not just from a material point of view. But here is the dangerous thing that has pervaded the church, particularly the modern church, over the years. And it's this problem. Somehow we've equated simply knowing more about God as the same as knowing God more. And it's not. Whenever you read through the Scriptures, whenever Jesus talked about knowing God, it was always within the context of not information, but relationship. He says this to uh, the religious types in his day, the Pharisees in John chapter 5, verse 39, where he says, You study the Scriptures diligently because you think that in them you possess eternal life. But these are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to, see the relational aspect, come to me to have life. You can read for information, not transformation. And Jesus is criticizing, notice this, he's not 
criticizing their view of Scripture. They thought this is the inspired Word of God. He's not criticizing their view of Scripture. He's criticizing their use of Scripture. And haven't you noticed this in people? You've, you've seen this, right? When, when people read the Bible for information, the types that read the Bible for information... Haven't you seen what that turns them into? If you read the Bible for information and not transformation, you read through this and you go, yeah, I, I do that. Yeah, I, I do that. Oh, they, they don't do that. <laughs> they, don't, they don't do that. Yep, I do that. They don't do that. <laughs> you notice that? It, it has you using this thing as a critique for everyone else around her. And you, you know what happens when you read for information? You'll... Your conscience gets better, but you don't get better. You feel better, but you're not growing, you're not changing, you're not shifting. And so here's what we want to talk about today. Like just as we've been saying silence and solitude are like sunlight to your soul. Just being in the presence of God is like sunlight to your soul. And last week we talked about that stuff has the potential to be weeds around your soul and you have to constantly be getting rid of stuff except for Star Wars family feud games in the loading dock by the way <laughs> thank you thanks Muzz right so our souls need sunlight the love of God we need to clear our souls of the weeds in order to receive that sunlight and this morning what we want to talk about is that scripture God's word is nourishment it is fertilizer for the soul and the thing is with fertilizer, what I've noticed is like there's a difference just between spraying some pellets on a bit of dirt. But in order for this plant to grow, what does it need to do? It, it needs to take it up. It needs to take it in. It needs to absorb it. It needs to work the deep mystery where this nutrients of phosphorus and nitrogen and all the rest of the stuff that's going to be in there is going to be taken up and transformed into this beautiful green stuff that's kept it alive for the last three weeks. Ooh, hallelujah. <laughs> right? So it is with the scriptures in your soul. It's something that needs to be taken up into the deep mystery where it grows you. And you can't just sprinkle a bit of this information on you. And as we'll see from the life of Jesus, Jesus was always far more interested in transformation as opposed to information. He was always talking about transformation. He was teaching in stories and often short stories. And he was teaching powerful lessons and they were in contact with people through relationships. He taught truths, but it was through common experience, not through a classroom experience. And he focused more on your relationship and your connection with God than just hearing about God. And here's a question for you, class. What made Jesus great? And before you rush and say, you can't say, oh, well, he was God. Because as we've been learning, like Jesus was not only fully God, yeah, we get this, but Jesus was also fully human, which means that the great things that we see Jesus doing in his life and the character that he developed was with exactly the same resources that you and I have here this morning. His Bible, which is what we call the Old Testament, Scripture, a human body and breath and time, and the Spirit of God. The same resources, and we have to realize that Jesus grew into the sort of person, when you think about it, who comes to earth and lives a perfect life in spite of the persecution and the fact that no one got him, and opposition, and resistance, and loneliness, 
And yet there was greatness in all of that from him. And he didn't do it just because he was God. He did it in his humanity. How did he stay true to that level of character and coping in the circumstances of life? Well, here's how I reckon he did it. Here's how, how he did it. Gagraptai. 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 It's a, it's a Greek word. It's not a Sam made-up word. It's the Greek word for it is written. It is written. Have you ever noticed it if you've read your scriptures? You see Jesus all the time saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. That moment where he's tempted by Satan in the desert. What was Jesus' response back to Satan every single time? Gagraptai, gagraptai, gagraptai. It is written, people do not live by bread alone. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. John chapter 6, when he's facing his enemies, the Pharisees, Jesus says, gagraptai, in the prophets, they will be taught by God. It is written, everyone who has heard from the Father has learned from him and comes to me. In Matthew chapter 26, Gugraptai, yet again, the betrayal. Peter whips out a sword, cuts off a guy's ear. Jesus says, I'll put the ear back first. And then he says, Gugraptai, Gugraptai, is it, it was written, don't you know I could call my army of angels down to smoke everyone, but scripture will not be fulfilled. It is written. What's he doing? He's sprinkling fertilizer on his soul. Gagraptai, 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 gagraptai. Whenever you see Jesus in moments of stress and of pressure, where does he go back to? Gagraptai. It is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. C.H. Spurgeon said of this, he said, His blood is bibline. The very essence of the Bible flows from him. He cannot speak without quoting a text, for his very soul is full of the Word of God. And so I guess my question for us this morning is, could we say that is true of ourselves? You know, certainly if I hit my thumb with a hammer, I say die" from time to time, right? Because we pastors, are, we're not allowed to swear, so we find fun words like that to say in front of the children, right? But what I, what I mean is, like, does, does the Word of God flow from you? Is that how you walk through life? Is that how you just bleed Scripture? Do you believe that? And look, I think it's a bit of a trick question because I know that I don't live my life with that level of bibline infusion of Scripture, and I want to, I want to. But I think for the tension that I feel is the tension that you guys would feel. And as I was thinking about it, I'm like, do we deny ourselves the opportunity for transformation because information... Is just quicker and easier. For me, for example, you can imagine what my week is like with the scriptures. You know, I'm sure, like I said the other week, you think that you pay me to sit there and just meditate on the scriptures, just to soak it all in. Now, if I'm real with you, like Sunday's always coming. <laughs> and the biggest wrestle for me, guys, is like, this is my textbook. And some of you are at uni, some of you are studying psychology or biology or whatever it might be. And you know what? Like if I don't treat this thing well, this, this thing just sits on my shelf the same way that a psychology textbook would, right? I just, I've got to go for the information because Northside needs another word of revelation. What have we got? And sometimes I, I've got to declare in front of you that information is just easier and quicker. If I can find that. 
I've been thinking for many people too, as I witness as a pastor, what happens in our lives is that I think our, our biblical nutrition, if it's fertilizer for the soul, is all out of whack. Like who remembers the healthy food pyramid? Remember this? Remember that? We got taught that at school, the healthy food pyramid with all your veggies down the bottom three to four times a day. Up there, you know, multivitamins, organic red wine, uh, all sugar, refined stuff. Avoid that at all costs, right? Remember that? Yeah. Right, that's what I want to get to today is that like how we should have that type of healthy food pyramid when it comes to consuming the information about God. I think part of the challenge is, I'll show you this next slide, Peter. I think this is where most of the people get their information about God. That's an Instagram reel, right? Come on, admit it. I know that you do it because the Lord is my strength, my defense and salvation. Like it's beautiful and it's sweet and it's wonderful. And it only cost me 30 seconds and it looks so pretty, right? Hey, you see, this Instagram post is, you know, that's like eating sugar. It's sweet and it's quick and it gives you a great hit for the day before you've got to go to the office, right? Whereas this stuff, this is broccoli. <laughs> Fiber. <laughs> so it should be. I always say this stuff is, you know, I'm always trying to preach to you truth metamucil, you know. You absorb just a little bit of this. So three days later, it explodes inside you. <laughs> Cleans you out. <laughs> right? How's your spiritual food pyramid looking? You're just pigging out on Instagram posts and reels and memes from your favorite pastor. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, by the way. <laughs> right? I think we deny transformation because this is faster. And from my experience, the change that happens when we grow in God by being changed by His Scripture, it happens not just through reading through your daily chapter a day type program that you have, or your reading plan that you've developed, or even that you've finished your devotional, and certainly not your 30-second reel or an Instagram post. It doesn't happen like that. It comes through meditating on the scriptures and meditation actually is an agricultural concept. The word meditation comes from the concept of a cow literally chewing up its food and swallowing it and regurgitating it and chewing on it again and then swallowing it. I know it's a pretty like yucky sounding analogy, but that's exactly what we are to do with the word of God that we are to chew on it and swallow it and bring it back up again and chew on it and swallow it and and allow it to nourish ourselves. And so that's why we see in the life of Jesus over and over again that he had a keystone habit of chewing on and meditating on the word of God. Later on, the Apostle Paul would write this to a church in modern day Turkey in a place called Colossae because he had learnt this from the disciples and learnt their rhythm of life. And Paul would say, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And so what he's saying there is, you're to take the Word of God and let it take up residency in your life. Don't just read it for information, but meditate on it and to chew on it and Here's what I've learned. You read scripture 
with smaller bites and slower consumption. Smaller bites, slower consumption. Smaller bites and slower consumption. And so I'm going to give you a tool. There are lots of different tools that you can use to do this. Um, some of you may have heard of the SOAP method. Anyone use the SOAP method? Um, you've heard of the SOAP method. Um, the one I'm going to give you this morning is a, an old method called Lectio Divina. Some of you may already use this. And uh, we're going to have this tool up for you. But Lectio, Lectio really, first of all, the first step is Lectio, which really means reading. And so you read first. You read through a small passage of Scripture. And as you're doing so, you ask God to reveal something from that word that sticks out to you. Then as you're reading through, then there's meditatio or meditatio or meditation, reflection. Now you reflect on that and you see, what is it that sticks out to me? What has God given me that sticks out from this passage? Then the next stage in this is oratio, which simply means prayer or response. You respond, you talk back to God. God, what are you showing me in this? What are you doing with this? Why is this applicable to me? Why have you placed this thought on my heart? And so you respond to Him through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the conversational communion that you have with God. And then the last stage is contemplatio or contemplate, to contemplate or to think. And so you just rest there and you think about what God has revealed to you in that moment. What has He brought to your attention? So you read, reflect, respond and then rest. The whole goal of this, not to gather information, but to be in conversational communion with God. To be in that moment where God speaks to you through His Word. It's not just intellectual knowledge, but conversational intimacy with God. That makes sense? Some of you I know have been there. Some of you I know have experienced this. Some of you I know this has been some of the sweetest moments that you've had with God. But if we don't eat our broccoli... If we don't come back to that, which is just the fundamental staple of our diet, then we're not nourished in the way that our souls are yearning for. And so as we finish this morning, my simple question for you is that if you are not nourishing your soul with the Word of God, then what's your alternative? I mean, like what? Who stole my cheese? Seven habits of highly effective people? You know, subtle art of not giving a flip, Right? And what's the, they're all good books, by the way, but are they the sort of books that will truly change you in the way, mysteriously, that the, the seeds of this word are planted into your soul and they, they fertilize your soul and the Holy Spirit draws out words and concepts and revelation to you that changes you and shifts you? What's your alternative? Because there's a big difference between information and transformation. And Jesus says, this was good enough for my life. Jesus knew his scripture. Jesus, I guess, you know, didn't have Instagram reels and all the rest of it. So he didn't get distracted. But Jesus, he said, this is what I did. I had my keystone habit of just meditating on the scriptures. And if you pricked him, he bled his Bible. And so what's your alternative if, if this is not nourishing your soul? As I finished this morning, I remember uh, a moment where um, uh, my uncle Bruce had bought a brand new Toyota Camry. These cars just go and go you know the Toyota Camry is just an absolute workhorse and he discovered that because he'd been driving around and all these croaks and groans in his engine 
uh, uh, starting to sound really bad. And so he takes to my cousin Howard, who's a motor mechanic, and he said, Howard, there's something wrong with this brand new Camry. You need to have a look at it before I get a warranty claim and all of this. So Howard takes a look at it and pops up the bonnet, opens up the engine, pops his head back out and he says, Bruce, when was the last time you put oil in this thing? And Bruce said, what do you mean oil? Like, what, what am I supposed to do all of that for? And then Howard goes in, he goes rummages through the glove box and he pulls out the manual and he opens it up here and he says, oil, every six months. Oil. <laughs> what if some of the groans, what if some of the funny noises, what if some of the moaning, what if some of the challenges, what if some of the anxiety, what if some of the bitterness, what if some of the resentment, what if some of the funny noises that could be coming from your life this morning are not just a function of bad luck or a bad deal or nature nurture, but because you haven't been operating your life in accordance with the operating manual. Every six months, more than that, ideally every day, a smaller bite with slower consumption, a smaller bite, with slower consumption. And when you do, you begin to fertilize your soul. But you just can't sprinkle the pellets. Can't just read a meme. Can't just get a word on a Sunday. Can't just live vicariously through someone else's cool quote that they put on Instagram. You've got to eat your broccoli. You've got to fill yourself with spiritual fiber and allow your soul to be nourished. You've got to work it in, meditate on it, chew on it, spit it back up again when you're in the middle of hardship. Chew on it again. Allow it to nourish your soul. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the way that you have granted us the gift of this precious book that is beyond us, the record of your son's life and the life that he models to each of us, the operating manual for the human life. Father, I thank you for its preciousness. I'll be the first one to acknowledge too, Father, that there are moments in my life when this book has been treated like a textbook, and I'm sorry for that, Lord. There's been moments of my life too, Father, when I haven't granted, us, granted it the, the high view and the, and the preciousness, but most importantly, I haven't, haven't seen it for the richness and the opportunity that it holds to nourish me and nourish us. I pray as we head out of this place this morning that in our own way we would each rediscover the joy, the mystery of being linked to this mysterious dynamic that Words from you were spoken out into human history and they were recorded. And not only do we read them, but through the power of your Holy Spirit, you shift us and you changed us. Father, I pray for peace. Father, I pray for steadfastness. Father, I pray for courage. Father, I pray for the sorts of characters that are sitting in this room that are stronger they're more stable, they're more open, they're more fearless than we were before because of the way that we have taken this up into our lives. And as we conclude this series this morning, Lord, I pray for each of us that as we have been, and it's been so wonderful 
to hear the ways that we have been tending our souls. But Father, you would be growing people who are pockets of freshness and of beauty and of wonder and of strength and courage in the garden beds in which you have planted them. There are friendships, there are families, there are partnerships, there are relationships, there are workplaces that you each head into this week. And through the transformation that will happen in the hiddenness and in the stillness, I pray over all of you that our Lord is growing you and shaping you to be new life to a world that's constantly fading around us. May that be true of us and this precious community this morning, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.